This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, at Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. Excited to have you on, tuning in to another episode, and each week, every Friday, we are launching an interview, someone that we have interviewed that can help to share an insight and mindset and the concept of mindset with your life as an entrepreneur, regular life, personal growth and development, mental health, you name it. We're always looking for some fabric piece of the puzzle to life in general to share This week, I had the honor of interviewing Christopher Doyle. He is the president and CEO of Build. 
We had a great conversation. We talked a lot about, he's doing some great things, um, really being an innovator in his industry in the construction world. And we got into some concepts of entrepreneurs can gain from mindset, athletes, and so much more. But just to give you a quick background, Christopher Doyle is an entrepreneur and business leader with extensive hands-on construction industry experience and a proven record of launching successful startups. He is the founder, president, and CEO of Build, a disruptive payment solution for the construction industry that helps contractors and suppliers grow their businesses with less hassle and risk. He's recognizing cash flow hurdles contractors will face when purchasing materials. Doyle launched Build to make traditional Wall Street working capital accessible to these small business owners. Doyle cut his teeth in the construction industry, framing houses and high school at the age of 16 and working his way through college at Texas A&M before beginning, beginning his career in residential and commercial construction. This was an awesome, awesome interview that we had. Again, we get into a lot of different concepts to talk a lot about his business. We get into mindset, athletes, and so much more. promise you can find a lot of value in this workshop. Check out the show notes for to connect with Bill. Uh, build and connect with Christopher. But with no further ado, here is Christopher Doyle. Well, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Vic. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, you know, in everything, your, your, what you do, construction and all that fun stuff. I think uh, for me, I grew up in the construction world. Uh, my dad used to lay carpet for a living. And so I got to learn to trade a little bit. He wouldn't let me learn too much. So as I got older, I got back into woodworking like five years ago. So I've been learning the, the trade just for fun, per se. Um, and so I'm excited to have you here and uh, chime in to not that I'm going to be picking your brain on construction, per se. I will to a certain degree. But uh, but thanks for taking the time to be here. Yeah, no, excited to be here. Uh, laying, car laying carpet's not not easy. Uh, how long did you do that? My So my dad, he's he still does it to this day. He's 69 years old. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, I, I started working with him at six and I remember the first day on my first job with him. I mean, I, he didn't, I didn't do much. He would never let me lay carpet with him so I can prep and do all that as I got older. Uh, -huh. uh but my last job with him was, I think I was like 21 and I was like, all right, I'm done. Either you teach me how to lay carpet so I can you know, like stretch the carpet a certain way and do it the way he has his system. Or yeah. I'm like, I'm not helping you anymore. Cause I just can't see you struggle the way you're struggling. And so that was the end of that. But yeah, I did for 25, 20, no, 24, 16, 16 years. I helped them out. Nice. Well, you got to, be, it sounds like you got to be the one carrying it from, from the van into, into the building, right? There, like you, the you, huge rolls. Yeah, you, you got it. I was called muscles. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Been there. I wasn't called muscles, but I've been there. Cause he, he always made fun of me. He'd be like, there you go with all those muscles. You're just trying to move stuff. He goes, you got to use your head. And I'd be like, man, but I'm young. I got, I got the strength. Let me just do it. And exactly. then over, over time, um, but my dad prided himself because like he'll be in his 50s lifting this heavy carpet up two, three flights of stairs and he'll get these young guys to help him if I wasn't there and they'd be huffing and puffing. And he's just like, come on, you guys, what do you get? You guys are like 20 years younger than me and you're, you're struggling to lift this carpet. And uh, that, but yeah, go ahead. I think that's the definition of dad strength, right? Oh, man, I'll tell you. <laughs> Uh, it, it's nuts. I, I sit there now. I mean, I mean, I, I, I work out a lot and stuff. And I, I when I have to move, uh, he was doing some carpet in my house and I had to move the padding. And I was like, man, I used to be able to toss this thing. I was like, wow, what the heck? And uh, so that dad strength is real. I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you, so I'm going to hear your story a little bit. How did you get into what you're doing now and all the fun jazz? Was it something you always chose to do or was this something that 
I call it the pinball effect where you get bounced around a lot and then you get to your path. Yeah. I mean, I, so I started, um, in construction pretty early, you know, I was 16 years old framing houses. I was, um, doing a similar job except, except not rolls of carpet. It was uh, two by 12s and four by eight sheets of OSB that you'd have to carry from the front of the, where they drop the lumber up to, up to the house while, while you're framing the house. Um, and that was really just by chance. Um, you know, I say it all the time. It was a great job because it, you know, you get a good workout, uh, a good tan because you're normally out with your shirt off in the middle of the Texas heat uh, and it pays cash every week. So it really was a great job through high school and college and, and summers and all that. Um, you know, went to school, got out of school and it was like, well, what do I do now? Um, I, I wasn't one of those that went in with this preconceived notion of exactly what I wanted to do afterwards. You know, as a 18, 19 year old kid did it, you know, just kind of knew the direction that I had to finish school. Uh, got into construction as my first job as a project manager at a school. And um, really, kind of career took a lot of different paths. Um, always really, you know, very focused, driven, um, had had that entrepreneurial itch uh, that I know a lot of your listeners have. And it's, it is interesting how you recognize that over time. You know, it, it's not like uh, when you're ready to enter the professional realm, you, you immediately say, I, you know, that's right, I'm an entrepreneur because I want to do this. It really is, you know, in some cases, maybe well over a decade that you realize like, hey, every single position I've been in, I'm always veering towards starting something either with that company or on the side or different ideas and looking for better ways to do it. And I, I, I think it, it took some time for me to embrace that and say, well, actually, I'll tell you what, it was someone telling me one day, they said, you know, you're never going to be happy until you own your own company. And I thought, well, that sounds right. And it sounds very like fulfilling and almost like a release and an escape to say, hey, now I can, I don't have to be contained to what someone else says I have to do or what, you know, like we could really do anything. Um, and so, you know, after, again, I bounced around a few different places, I started my own company uh, called Site Capture about eight years ago. And that was somewhat on the side. I had my full-time job in that. That company's done um, fairly well. It's a um, technology product in the construction space. And then here recently, about two years ago, um, I started Build. Um, and it's it really was that same outlet is to say, hey, I need, um, I think this needs to be done a different way. I think I can do it. Um, I was really lucky because it sounds so maybe a little courageous. Like I started, it didn't really fall out that way. And in this case, it was uh, many ways kind of handed to me. It was like, hey, we have this great idea. We had an investor lined up that we had a previous relationship. They were also equally as motivated about it. And so we just kind of launched from there. That, that company is Build. Um, so really, my story takes a lot of different paths. Um, you know, I just happen to be still in construction, which is what I did when I was 16. But, you know, there's no real tie to that. It's just if you're going to be creative, you might as well do it in an area that you, you know well and you and you have that kind of background in. Gotcha. No, I couldn't agree more. It's like sometimes where, you know, you look at <clears throat> what are the skill sets I have that I've learned and attained and then how do I can utilize them to go in different avenues with it? And I think that sounds just exactly what you're doing, correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the domain expertise, right? 
And, um, you know, I'm not one of those that can just hop into any subject and just immediately get the whole, you know, background picture. Having that, that, that domain expertise, um, especially if it's a decade plus, really helps you take, you know, really the new innovative things that you're thinking about and you're seeing in the industry and say, well, how does that apply to what I know really well and the pain points that I know really well? Love that. And what is one of the big things? Cause you know, in the construction industry and the stuff that you're doing, um, what is it that is like a big problem or an issue that you've seen that you're I mean, creating a solution to, to help? Yeah. So I build, we're, a, um, we're a finance company that specializes in purchasing materials for commercial construction companies. And the reason we do that is, um, contractors are they purchase their so let's take your your dad for example he is installing carpet for a new retail facility let's say well he's got to buy that carpet up front and and potentially um he can get let's say 30-day terms so he can purchase it but not pay for it for 30 days um but what happens is he's oftentimes not paid for his work so he buys the material he installs it. He gets his his son with all the muscles to help carry the carpet in, get it all installed. He he submits his bill to the to the um, general contractor. General contractor uh, submits that up to the project owner. That takes about sixty to ninety days. Not to mention he had to purchase that carpet up front, right? Because it took two to three weeks to come in, and so that leaves you know generally a ninety plus day gap between when you need the material and when you get paid. Um, so we supply, what we do is we provide uh, trade credit for that. So contra- contractor can purchase their material and not repay us until 120 days or when they're paid on the project. So the big struggle here is cash flow, right? Is so let's go back to your dad. He's got two or three projects going on at a time, maybe four or five, maybe 10 plus. You know, if you're constantly having to buy all that material, it makes it very difficult to run your business. So true. And I've seen that before, especially in other, even other construction workers or contractors that uh, either friends of my parent, my dad or something, I see that where the, the bulk load of what they have to put up front. And then it's like, they can, then they're limited, right? Cause if they have a certain amount of cash flow, then they can't take on other jobs. Cause like, well, I can't, unless I, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of stuck or held. That's right. Yeah. Way. Yeah. And, and think about, and I'm so glad you brought up your dad early on. Cause I'm going to use that example the whole, the whole time here. Um, but you know, he's constantly working to get bigger, more complicated jobs, right? There's the, there's a component of just professional satisfaction in that. Um, Hey, I'm able to take on, you know, um, again, bigger, um, you know, multi, multi multi-story, like all kinds of new stuff. And there, and it's a, it's a constant real grind there to, to, you know, uh, cater to general contractors that are able to say, hey, okay, I'm going to give this person a chance. Well, you, f- you finally get your chance on that, on that bigger project, right? So a step above what you normally would be doing. Um, and what happens, you, you go to your supplier and they say, look, you're three or four projects in with me. Um, and I can't give you that hundred, $200,000 worth of material the same way I do the 20,000 that you normally buy from me. And, and that's because you're small and, and our credit department won't allow for that. So what do you do? You go shop with another supplier potentially, right? Well, now you've, you're really breaking that relationship. You know, you really want that supplier that's been with you that whole time to be there for you on the big job as well. 
So it really creates a lot of dysfunction when you can't take that next step. And, you know, um, these businesses that we support, they're entrepreneurs too, right? They're, they're starting, you know, maybe they just started their business. Maybe they um, have had it for, for 10 plus years, but they're the same kind of mindset as me and many of your listeners is that they're, they're constantly pushing. And what we're doing is really enabling that by letting them, you know, kind of removing the barrier of, well, how do I get my material? I think the other thing too is you're allowing them to scale up because let's say you know there's, there's ebbs and flow in any business and you have high you have your lean months and your 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 big months and it's one of those things where let's say they're having a really high month and it's just high demand and you utilizing that they're from how I'm seeing it they can, they're able to be like they can scale and get larger from that a lot faster being able to have that access. That's right. Yeah, love that. What is one of the biggest lessons that you learned? Um, that helped you to become, you know, taught you about being an entrepreneur from being in the construction industry? Oh man, biggest lessons. Um, you know, if I take that as more of entrepreneurship, I, I would say that um, it's really kind of fact checking everything you're doing um, and, and, and challenging a lot of these things. So, um, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur mindset, your, your mind normally races pretty fast. And so, you know, whether you're eating at a restaurant, driving to work or to the gym, or, you know, changing the channel on the TV, your mind is always kind of wired as a way to say, why is it this way? Why isn't, why is it not this way? And kind of looking for little opportunities to make things better. And, um, you know, what I find is, is the most helpful there is you can always daydream and think of a million different ideas and talk about them, but that's not really an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is the one that puts pen to paper and does something about it, right? And so really taking that next step, um, you know, I always like to start with Excel, which sounds really dorky here, but it says, okay, take this one concept that you have and go, okay, is it really better? And really immediately start breaking things, things down. How do you acquire that customer? Um, how do you produce the product or deliver a product? What's that cost? And what's the, what's the market size? And just like type in, you know, six numbers in Excel and go, okay, does this make sense or not? And, and I feel like that, that allows your brain to actually take action on things and not just dream, is this better? Is this better? And what you'll find is you immediately start to, um, you know, um, cancel out some ideas where you go, no, that's just a bad idea. That that's not actually realistic. And others you go, well, this is real. You know, this is real. And now next step is let me go talk to five people that have this same problem and see what they think about it. Um, So that's probably not the, not the best answer ever, but you know, what I hear so many times when you talk to like an entrepreneur crowd is they all have the ideas, but, you know, and it's more than just doing something about it, but like, what are the easy steps, right? You don't take an idea and go raise money on it. You take the idea, you, you tease out kind of the, the math side of things. Then you tease out the customer side of things, you know, the operational difficulties, um, and competitive landscape, market size, all those things. Then you start putting, you know, that MVP into action. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, you're looking at analyzing everything and then figuring out what works best. I mean, it's, it's the entrepreneurial side. It's like creating a business plan, right? You got to look at 
all the avenues, the market, you got to look at how you're going to, you know, your marketing side of it, the numbers behind it all. And, and those kind of concepts to be able to put that all together and then be like, okay, this, this looks good. This is what we're going to run with. And then you can, you, you take on, take it on and you run. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, and I think that's solid because a lot of times I think we live in an era and you said something that I think is very profound where getting, it's, I'm just going to change the word a little bit. It's basics or simple, but it's just making things a little bit more simpler because we come up with ideas and then we complicate and all this, and then we lose the, um, the basics and the simplicity of things. Like you said, going to an Excel sheet, right? Simple, basic, but yet it's profound in the work. And well, um, go ahead. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's funny because you forget sometimes how math in your head um, has some dream in it. Um, and then when you, you actually pencil it out, uh, again, I mentioned you miss, uh, Excel, but you know, pencil it out and you go, wait a second, the math isn't really what I thought. Um, and, and this is a bad idea. Let's move on to the next one. Totally. And it, it makes it, it just, it's, it, it's looking at things from different perspectives, I think. And I think that's critical because then you can see it, you know, if you put your, I would call it your accounting hat, right? Looking at the math. And you put your accounting hat on and you're like, okay, let's see, does this make sense from a number perspective? And does this, can this be, you know, uh, thrivable and, and then be able to, you know, work off that and so much more. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like it. I think it works. Uh, but I think it's critical. And then one thing too, is like going back to the basics kind of a thing, it's like, you know, you look at, and I've studied a lot of athletes and, 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 and millionaires and billionaires, but mainly athletes was which I want intrigued me about the mindset stuff back in when I started to get into this. Because I was like, what makes a great athlete versus someone who isn't a great athlete? And it was really the mindset. But what I was very fascinated about, and it's very common along most of them, is they all master and continue, no matter how great they're at it and anything they do, they always stick to the basics and, and, and the fundamentals. And that's what they keep working on all the time, no matter what, no matter how successful they get. And I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs, and I think in the era of what I see sometimes is where... People want to, what's the next idea? What's the next big thing here and here? And it's like, those are good, but make sure you have your foundation or I call it foundation, but you're just basics and so forth. Because as you know, in construction, if you don't have a good foundation, how well is that house going to hold up? No, that's exactly right. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you think there is a, uh, a tie between very strong athletes, great elite or any athletes, call it professional, any professional athlete to entrepreneurial spirit and and kind of that drive i think it's very like are you saying how are they similar in other words that's right yeah yeah i think it's massively in my opinion i think it is i mean you you know you look at uh, uh an athlete let's i like i love using michael jordan as an example um one of the greatest athletes of all time and with him you look at his skill you look at his size you look at his strength you look at the talent side of things that a lot of people get hooked onto when it comes to sports and he's he was talented but he wasn't the greatest talent like he wasn't the strongest he wasn't the fastest he wasn't the tallest i would say lebron james is more from a talent standpoint because he's got more strength he's faster he's bigger those types of things but when you look at his his practice on his skill set and making sure he's always practicing his skill set, what he's good at, what he can bring to the table and bring basketball to the way he does. I mean, he mastered the fadeaway and, and all the other things that are amazing at what he did. I, I think when you take that as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, what are your skill sets? What are the things you're going to work on? What, it's like sharpening the knife. That's what I kind of teach my clients and so forth. How, how are you sharpening your knives every single day? Because if you don't sharpen the knife, you're not, you, you, it's going to get dull eventually. And so you want to make sure you take that kind of practice to the same level. 
Am I kind of answering that question? Yeah, well, the reason I, I asked is I think about this a lot from a category of what sports do you play and, and whether you're an elite athlete or not. Let's, let's break down like what four or five basic sports, basketball, hockey, soccer, football, and baseball. There, there are two in that that are extreme, very different from a mindset standpoint, and that's football and baseball. And why? Because it's not the everything's happening, move, immediately react and continuously react, right? Football and baseball are so scripted, everything's scripted. So the kind of mindset that fits into that, that sport is fundamentally different than a, you know, a soccer or ho hockey where there is no such thing as a play, right? I mean, I suppose basketball, there are kind of plays, but, but not, not really. You're constantly reacting to every piece that's in front of you. And in, in long periods of time, not, you know, small, like football, small kind of 15, 20 second periods of time. The other thing, especially about football is at the end of the day, you're, you're a, you're a guy on the, on, in the field and you're, you're listening to what one other person is telling you to do. And you have to go do that one thing. And just that one thing, you can't say, no, I'm going to bust out on this one and I'm going to do this other thing. And uh, it's going to be great, you know, like you could do in soccer or or hockey or, or, or basketball. Right. And, I, you know, I think about this and go when I talk to kind of new employees and things like this, this is like not a concept that I've teased out much. But when you talk about like how people grew up and what they played, it, I think it's pretty interesting to go, well, you are fully satisfied playing, let's call it football and even what position you play right in football and doing this one thing over and over. And if you truly loved it, like that is, that is your mindset. You're very good at just doing that one thing and happy and fulfilled with that. Whereas other people may say, you know, I got bored with that. I went and did this other, you know, I went and played lacrosse or some other sport where I felt like maybe creativity or kind of that constant like stimulation of different things and be able to react was like what, what actually ended up fulfilling me. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how much personality or like, you know, an individual's like I was the type that played, uh, I was a baseball guy. That's just was my sport. But I played multitude of sports growing up, but organizational wise, uh, it was soccer and, and baseball. But from a mindset standpoint, it's like it, I think it's another thing too, like baseball. I was just talking this with a patient yesterday. I was telling him, I'm like, because he's a golfer, and I was like, you know, it, golf is like baseball, it's 90% meant it's 90% mental and it's more waiting for your moment. It's, it's, it's delayed gratification. You, things just don't happen instantly. It's not that rush. Like you're kind of uh -huh, talking about. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can make an argument that football has a little bit of that because like I played football for fun and I always remember I get the ball, then all of a sudden it was my moment and here we go where, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but there's, yeah. there's delay depends where you're playing. Right. And all that. And I played rugby for Arizona state at one point. And it was, it was, it, that was the first time I ever played rugby and there it, it's, it's similar in that way. But then I can see like basketball where you're talking about, it's kind of reactive all the time. You're always, you're always, you're always on same thing with hockey, um, soccer for the most part, it's the same way. Just dep again, depends on your position. Cause if you're more defense, you're only on when the offense, the other team's offense is coming at you. Um, but there's yeah. that. I, I, well, I the guess, other component is when, when you have the ball, right. Too. It's like, so soccer, you know, 11 players, you have the ball far less than a, than a basketball where you're touching the ball, you know, twice as much. Right. Because oh, there's yeah. so much fewer people. And I think that, yeah, but you know, tying in, that's why I love sports so much growing up because it taught me life. 
and taught me, you know, there, there was positives and negatives because me playing baseball, I didn't have a, someone who mentored me somewhat. So I learned on my own playing with my kid, uh, kids, my, playing with kids in our community. But it was one of the things where I had to, I, I, I would watch who was the best and then I would model myself or challenge myself to be better than them in some way, shape or form. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of times in entrepreneurship, they say, do the same thing. You see who you want to beat. I'll beat your competition and grind and all this. I, and I, and I bump heads with some people, not bump heads, but I, I, I create a different perspective because I don't think that's great. Cause I've gone through that where I would look at, you know, my profession's primarily chiropractic and I would look and see what are the most successful chiropractors doing? Okay. I will not be successful until I get to that level. And what happened was at some levels I got there and I was not happy. I didn't have fulfillment. I was like, this can't be everything. And so I had to reconfigure my wiring in my brain, how I see things uh-huh. and, and shift my values um, to look at it from a different perspective. Well, it's the relativity, relative happiness piece of that is to say, well, and you take an athlete, you can take entrepreneurship, whichever it is, you can start as a kid and, and that, that, goal, you know, that target of who you're trying to be is potentially an eighth grade elite athlete, right? You know, the the kind of low end of this. And then then you get into high school and it's like the all state athlete. Then you get into college and it's, you know, and so each of those are different, right? But it really is the same mentality from the very beginning, which says I'm going to target something not 20 steps ahead of me, you know, not Michael Jordan necessarily, because it's so far ahead, but but two steps ahead of me. And, you know, if you let it consume you, um, it, it can be a challenge, like you said, because you've you're always going to the next one and you're never actually happy. You never get it and say fulfilled. But really, such is the life of that personality. Right. That personality has to try very hard to be content with where they're at. Uh, naturally, they're always going to force it, right? They're always going to, I mean, I'm one of them, um, where I'm always thinking, okay, this, the next step, the next step. And I have to be disciplined about saying, you know what, that next step, while it's great to put that in perspective and really um, um, have that as a goal, you know, for that to drive everything, you know, what's going to happen over and over is you're going to get it and, and not have that, that real fulfillment. And I think you brought something up too, because you brought up control. And, I, and when I hear that for me, um, I remember playing baseball, I played semi-pro and I got up there and um, I used to have a, a, a joy of throwing people. I played outfield. And so for me, it was always fun throwing people out. It was, a, I, especially when they try to challenge me, I laugh like, no, I had a rule. Nobody runs on me. And what was interesting though, is when I, let's say they messed up, someone got me, I can go back I can practice until I'm blue in the face, master it, and then I can go back into a game and then I corrected my issues. With entrepreneurship, I learned that I can do the same practice, but it just takes a lot longer sometimes. Or I had to learn to trust the process as much as I put all the effort on myself, but then there's also the the learning curve and other things that happen where we're in sports. Maybe I just picked up things faster, but it was it, I was able to course correct and, and learn something and then master get get good at it and I can apply it. Where in entrepreneurship, I do the same thing, but I think there's 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 a there's there, delayed gratification or you got to take some time in order to let that cultivate itself. In other words, where you can't just come out of the great idea. I mastered it. I got it. Here we go. I'm going to change the world. And all of a sudden, you go out there and you're like. 
all right, it's going to take a little longer than I expected here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's the classic, like, okay, I've got the, I've got the, the move we'll call it. Uh, and you go try it for the first time, you know, I've practiced it with a hundred different in, in kind of that mock, you know, uh, early, uh, research. And then you go to your first customer, your potential customer, and they say no. And you're like, well, that didn't go the same as any of the other ones. <laughs> you know, everyone I talked to ahead of time said they love this idea. Now that I'm actually asking for money uh, for my service or product, uh, you know, it's a whole whole different animal. You know, how does that work? Yeah, it's always, always funny how that ends up. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute here. And if, you know, again, taking sports as a consideration to that, it's funny because in sports, you can, you know, I remember like in baseball, if you have a guy who you know you're going to go up against or something like that, and that's just, they throw hard fastballs, I can just go train and perfect that. And so then I just, when I'm going to bat, you know, staying focused, right? Entrepreneurship sports, if you focus on something, that's, it helps you thrive a little bit more. So I just focused on when I'm hitting, I just focus on the fastball. That's all I want to see because I practiced for it. And then if it happens, I connect next thing you know, it's like, Hey, I was successful. It worked. And I could see that fast reaction where you, where we're talking about here. It's like, yeah, it's just gonna, I thought this was good. I trained, I did everything right. I got it solid. I, you know, I did the talk to people. I had people review it. Everything looks great. And then you get out there and it's like, Nope, you're hitting walls. And so different mindset you have to, to take approach with or else we would see all athletes to a certain degree be the most amazing entrepreneurs ever. Would right. you agree? Yeah. No, I, yeah, exactly. And so we had, you know, we had COVID kicking, right, this last year and all this fun stuff that's been going on with it. Um, um, some may say fun. I just say it like that. But long story short, how have you guys, because I know what I've noticed in my community is since COVID happened, a lot of people have been doing a lot more con- construction, you know, having contractors come doing projects on their house. I've seen a lot more remodeling going on. Um, has that, you have you guys seen that in some way, shape or form with the work and the business that you guys do with Build? Yeah, you know, when everything started, you know, February, March of last year, um, you know, we um, we saw a slight decline in the progress because a, a lot of projects, um, I mean, you remember the first time they like would, you know, put a stay at home uh, on a city or something like everyone's kind of like, what, what's the, we've never experienced this before. What is that? And so a lot of the projects um, were put on on hold temporarily just to figure things out, right? Just to let the dust settle a bit. And so outside of just that very short stint, we haven't seen really any delay. And, and uh, I mean, have we had a project here or there that we've seen, you know, put on pause for more than a month? Sure. But the other side of that is um, if you're like your dad, if one, if he's got two, uh, one project's put on hold, guess what? They, he puts both crews on the next project and gets that done twice as fast. So we had that, that balancing um, effort going on. So we really haven't seen any, any delay. I think in, for, certainly in home, home improvement, um, you know, outside, there's a bit, of, a bit of fear of having people come in. But, you know, when you're staring at your own house all the time, especially over the summer when, thing, again, the dust settled a little bit, you know, we did see a, a, an increase there. And I think uh, overall the market, what's funny right now is the home starts are up. Um, so it, it, construction has been kind of an odd reaction to this. And I think it's, uh, the industry as a whole has, has done a, as good a job as anyone, as any industry in accommodating quickly, you know, the, the workforce, as far as like the, in the field workforce 
you know, is is uh, generally blue collar, right? Skilled labor, blue, blue collar, um, and um, you know, to to put on the mask and go through all the safety efforts and things like that. It's not the easiest to absorb and accept, and um, and, and the industry as a whole has very very well. And what that's enabled is for projects to continue on in a safe manner and not, you know, worried about because at any given time, especially commercial, which is what we specialize in, there could be a hundred people on the, on the project, right? And and they're generally spread out, but yeah, I mean, you're you're touching the same things, right? You're you're near other people, and the ability for the industry to kind of um, safety up, so to speak, and very very quickly and, and adapt to new protocol. Uh, is a testament to the industry. And, and I think um, that's been a big part of uh, removing barriers for, for POS projects for either safety or economic issues. Love that. And with, with, <clears throat> and I'm assuming, well, with the safety stuff, I mean, assuming it's just like in my office, I have to wear masks and mandated. I'm assuming they had to too, and all those kind of things with everything. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Matt mask, you know, all the full, the full kind of setup. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, additional folks on on site cleaning. You know, um, really the, the the whole protocol, hand sanitizer. Like, you know, it's it's more than the basics because you've got people there all the time. You know, project meetings, things like that. Um, you know, they had to change the way they're doing things across the board regarding you know kind of being out in the field. Gotcha. Very interesting. Yeah, it's just been fat. You know, I love how you're saying just people staying at home more. So they're seeing things and like, oh, my goodness, this needs to get or, you know, or they're just tired of seeing the 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 imperfections. And they're like, hey, you know what, I need to get this, you know, redone or we need to get this remodeled or changed and whatnot. So it's been uh, it's been interesting to see, uh, especially during these times and everything that's been going on. Now, when it comes to, you know, one of the things about your business that I've learned, you know, with build and all that, I didn't realize this. I was just reading up on some stuff here where it comes to you guys taking a lot on high risk borrowers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it uh, high risk borrowers, but, but yes, the answer is just there. I mean, what we do is we take a, a vertical kind of space construction and embrace it and say, this is our customer. So we love our customer. We know about our customer. We live and breathe the customer. And um, what that allows us to do is take a, a risk that, let's say, a bank wouldn't do, right? And, and why? Because we understand it much better. So a bank is looking at our, um, call it target customer, kind of right down the middle customer and going, well, you have a low cash balance. You don't have that many assets. Um, and you, you don't have any cash or, well, that's low cash balance, but, um, these are traditional lending attributes that a bank or, or large lenders are going to look at, uh, before they lend money. However, if you look at it from a different lens and say, okay, forget those two things, you've got a business that's been around for a decade, right? That means you've, you've gone through, uh, different economic cycles already and survive them, right? So that's one. The second is all of your projects, um, this is the payment cycle. So this is naturally how you're gonna get paid. That is going to result in low cash balance. So let's ignore that, but let's look instead at how likely you are to get paid on the project. So what that means is if I, if I do something and bill for it, how likely are you to get paid? And so long as that is strong, 
that's really what we're looking at because nobody is in a position to have a large cash balance in, in an industry like construction. Why? Because the projects don't just come once a month. You don't get your April job, your February job, right? And, and it's your ticket and you do it and you go to the next one. No, you get projects as they come. So if it rains for three weeks straight, guess what? A bunch of projects are going to come right after that because now all of a sudden, you know, the weather's good. You can actually build something and you're always kind of, you're always managing that, right? So us understanding that industry and, and the risk, the other thing is like the risk mitigation too. It's like, how do we prevent not getting repaid and being creative in construction with that? It is super important. So I, I think what we're doing is enabling small businesses that wouldn't be able to get a tra traditional financing from traditional finance sources like banks by just understanding their situation much better. In fact, what's interesting, we, we have lower losses than almost any other small business lender out there. And I don't mean lower, I mean like a third. Why? Because we have a vertical solution to the customer. No, I just love that concept, and you're helping. You're you're kind of you're leveling the playing field a little bit, giving these guys, girls and gals, guys and girls, uh, an opportunity to um, be able to get up, jump started, and so forth, and creating a relationship. Which I think that's probably what was banking was in the first place years and years ago, where you create a relationship and those types of things. Compared to now, it's which I, I understand the whole concept, but it, it's it's looking at things more from just black and white checkpoints. What's this? What's that? Can you show yourself that you're valuable? If you're not, oh well, we're not going to do business. No matter how great of a relationship I have with you and everything else, is that yeah, kind of that, that, that hits the point pretty much? That, just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, that that that's exactly right. Yeah, and and you know, to as you grow a construction business, you. Um, you, you do end up needing a lot of assets, but every asset that you bring in, and when I say asset, a truck, right, machinery, uh, equipment, um, and um, that's all debt-based, right? And so you, you don't, for a $200,000 concrete pump, right, you can't just, you don't just pay cash for that. So, you know, we do see more debt-heavy customers, um, but that's compared to other businesses that don't need that that kind of asset, right, to perform their work. And I, I think it just goes back to understanding exactly why, right? This isn't debt because they ran up, you know, a, a credit card bill or something else on building something that'll never work. It's a concrete pump to pump concrete. Well, that's how you make your revenue. So, you know, again, it just all goes back to understanding the business, understanding why. So we could see someone with, for example, they, they went and got the $300,000 pump, right? So there are even more debt for something they don't really don't necessarily need. I mean, there, there are different ways to look at this and say, well, actually this borrower isn't the, the best for us. Right. So not to say we're approving everyone, but, um, you know, having that like very, you know, domain specific knowledge and insight is what, you know, makes us very different. And you have to have that line too, right? You just, you have to have that where here's where we, this is our cutoff and that's it. And you have to have those parameters because you have to protect yourself as a business and so many other good things like that. Yeah. The line's the tough part, right? <laughs> especially, you know, especially when you're dealing with, um, like I mentioned before, entrepreneurs, right? These are all entrepreneurs starting their businesses, growing their businesses. And we start to know them personally and see them be successful. You know, it, it is difficult to put that, you know, put that line in place. But as a, 
as a lender, it's it's very important to the kind of core of your business to know yeah. when when is the limit. Totally. And I think it's no in you and it's knowing what that limit is for you because it's it's just like in any business, I think you have to have that line in any aspect. And every business has that line. Um, even my own business as a chiropractor, um, I have a line to what kind of patients I will take on and not take on, not because I'm not turning away. Well, some people will call that turning away business, but it's just what's my focus and what I do as a chiropractor. And if it'll if the if those things align, then we're a great fit. We can move forward and create a relationship and then we can start that journey. Um, but if it's not, then it's not, it's not, it's not going to be beneficial for the patient or myself. And that's where you, we have that line. So it's kind of like how you're, I hate to use this word, but weeding out, uh, or not qualifying, I guess so we can as a better term, um, yeah. of what you're doing. And it's kind of the same thing. And we have a qualification process too, because we have a focus and a vision of who we want to help, uh, not who, um, who we're helping in the journey. We want to help them in that process. Yeah. And when it's that important, when it's so important to your business, like in our case, saying no is probably the most important piece of our business is knowing when. And really the the way to achieve that is hiring the right person to say no and enabling them to say no, right? And so these are, like in our case, this is programmatic kind of decisioning. So hiring the right people that can put the, put the right things in place to know when when it is to say no, rather than saying, you know, make this a CEO decision on the really difficult ones instead enabling others that can put the right processes in place to, to have that discipline of saying no. Yes, sir. I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, Chris, this has been fun. How can people connect with you, find you, see what you're up to, the things that you're doing, all the different projects, businesses, and so forth? How can they connect with you? Yeah, really, it's a website, build.com, B-I-L-L-D. Dot com, uh, kind of a play on build and build. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's our website. Uh, yeah, and for contractors, you know, subcontractors or general contractors that are looking are interested in our product, uh, we have our blog there as well with lots of great information as well. Bill, I appreciate. Uh, Bill, sorry, Chris, <laughs> I apologize. Um, appreciate you being on and, and taking time to uh, share some insights uh, with the the mindful experiment uh, community and so forth, and uh, taking just taking time with me to share some space. I appreciate you, boss. All right, thanks, Vic. Appreciate. Thanks for uh, letting me on today. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, Pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.